Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me I have Logan. How are you, Logan? Hey, Alex. Yeah, doing really well. Yeah, look, it's been um, oh, a bit of a, an interesting week, I guess, to be a City supporter. An unwanted 100-year record broken, no goals in six games. Um, I suppose a positive result in some ways against Swansea and then positives to take out of the Blackburn game as well in terms of a bit more um, attacking capabilities. But, um, yeah, I guess it's sort of a, an interesting period that we find ourselves in, um, I guess, at the moment. Um, starting with the Swansea game, how have you found it? Uh, it's uh, in some ways it's it's sadly kind of as expected. I think when we when we make these throwaway comments at the start of the season, like we're going to have to bide our time, we're going to have to ride the wave. You know, we're we're probably not as good. Um, all all of those kind of um, you know things in theory, you you go oh that's okay. But then as a fan, when you find yourself on the um you know on the roller coaster week to week, and the fixtures start going by and you can't really see yourself making any headway um in the in the league table it does start to to be somewhat of a concern uh, look the point at Swansea was a well-earned point uh, I think that you know make no mistake about it any team that has as much possession and as many shots as Swansea had and for us to go away with with our point um was you know an incredible testament to the way we defended and, and how organized we were and you know perhaps their lack of finishing but in a, in a game like that, if you if you saw, you know, the statistics of how the actual game unfolded and, you know, you knew that you could take a, a point away from that, you'd, you'd snap the hand off. So I, I wasn't too deflated by that. I think that result, um, whilst it didn't do a whole lot to encourage me, it didn't do much to deflate me either. Um, it's the kind of fixture that, you know, we hope to see, um, you know, on the road to be able to actually start to, to turn this season into something. We need to be taking points, and, and that was a really good effort. So, yeah, not, not a great performance in the sense that it did too much for us, but I think that there's a lot that can be learned from a game like that. And, and Swansea are, are, are a tough side. Yeah, certainly. I think um, at the start of the season, when I was looking ahead to this fixture, I was optimistic that they might not have settled in at this stage um, under the new manager, but they certainly use that international break quite well. I think they they came out and played with that sort of style of play that we expected to see from them. Um, as you say, quite possession heavy, took a lot of shots. I thought Ingram was phenomenal and, and I'll probably be giving away who my um, man of the match was a bit later on. But Ingram, I thought was phenomenal, made a few really important saves for us, kept us in that game quite well um, and, and was clearly sort of, and, and across both of these games really has seemed to be just about our most important player. Um, which has been great to see for him after a couple of um, uh, mistakes or incidents earlier in the season that might have had a few people doubting his ability. Um, I guess uh, positive for me, I guess, was seeing Wilkes come back in, um, starting the game, getting the, the minutes in the legs, and hopefully he'll be better for it over the next couple of games that we have. Um, although I guess seeing Moncur come back in, but um, you know, he, he offered a little bit, but um, wasn't as uh, creative as I was sort of hoping that he might have been um going forward i think we're still really missing honeyman and it's great to see the news that he's fully fit and available for the sheffield united game and 
Um, I'm sort of still holding out hope that when we get Honeyman back into the side and we start to see our, our real strongest 11, um, we can start to to make some inroads in, in the league and get some results on the board because, you know, as you say, it is early days. Um, being outside the, the relegation zone on just goal difference is a little bit of a concern. I'd, I'd sort of perhaps optimistically hope that we wouldn't directly be involved in a relegation battle this season, but look, maybe that's where we'll find ourselves. And um, I did see the point made on Twitter that um, you just have to look at the league table and the fact that two of the three sides beneath us are the other promoted clubs in Blackpool and Peterborough. So it's not as if Peterborough or Blackpool are flying and we're really struggling. And and, and in some ways that would then reflect more poorly on us. Um, it just is evidence itself of the fact that there is that big gap between uh, League One and the championship in terms of in terms of going up and we sort of drew the comparisons pre-season it, it is like going up to the premier league and being a small club and having to adapt to that bigger league and um i guess preston was maybe a bit of a false dawn in that sense that we thought maybe we were going to adapt much quicker than we'd hoped but um you know getting a couple of points on the board against bournemouth and, and now swansea i think is is probably a positive yeah exactly right i think all those points that you raised are, are really valid and particularly the you know the newly promoted teams are, are finding life difficult in the championship which we, we have talked about before i think um you know even if you look at the teams that we have played there's been a, a fair mix we've we, we've definitely played you know some of the the higher end teams in the sense that we've you know we've seen fulham we've played bournemouth um it's it's not as if we've kind of been losing to the teams you know in and around us it's not like we've we've had a, a tough loss to to blackpool or, or peterborough uh, you know because we just haven't met them i mean the derby result was incredibly disappointing uh, just because of who they have on paper and the way that that game kind of panned out and i mean you already touched on the ingram mistake um you know that earlier in the season maybe had people doubting him we've seen how he's replied so it's it's definitely not you know time for doom and gloom just yet but as i think i was very similar to you in the sense that you know i was optimistic that we we wouldn't find ourselves this far down uh the the league ladder so quickly uh but with that in mind as you as you mentioned we still haven't seen honeyman yet we have to remember that even though wilkes is back he's he, he's been injured and we haven't yeah. really seen him hit the ground running uh tom huddleston is another one he he said at the start he said you know I'll, I'll be fine, but just give me give me some games to you know to to get my my legs and you know then then we'll start to to see what what I've still got left in the tank. So, look, it's there's there's a lot to still kind of look forward to, um, and we've got some you know far more important fixtures coming up uh, once we get through this little run of tough games, um, and and they'll be the they'll be the games that kind of make the season, but. I mean, look, flip the switch a little bit. Let's remember the the season that we got relegated from the championship, where we sat uh, at Christmas time, and and what happened. There's there's a long, long way to go just yet, and it's it's just as likely that you know things could turn around and we could get some momentum and, and string a few back to back wins, and and all of a sudden find yourself back in that mid table security. So, uh, look, lots lots to be excited about still, but. You know, if this goes on for much longer and we find ourselves still languishing at the bottom around Christmas, then we'll start to have a, a bit more of a a harder conversation. Yeah, you, you mentioned the uh, the relegation season there and there might be a few red flags. Um, we can talk about in a little bit about the way we're playing at the moment. But look, it, it's probably a tough game to pick um, 
three votes from similar to the Bournemouth game last time around. It was a bit difficult to uh, to pick out three players from a performance like that. But I will give you the um, unenviable task of going first on this one and, and, and trying to pick out your 3-2-1 for this one. Look, you're not going to like this, but I'm giving all six points to Ingram. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not because I, I don't think that as a team they that we didn't defend well. I just I can't I can't split any anybody else on the field that kind of made a claim for a point or two points more than the other. I think everyone defended equally, and Ingram was exceptional. Um, yeah. So I'm sorry if it I'm sorry if that throws the numbers out, but it's it's the the only resolution I can can offer. No, not at all. I like that. It's a it's a new precedent, but I'll accept it, and I'll probably follow suit. I think um I think look as I said before, I think Ingram with his terrific saves really kept us in the game, and in a game where we had so little going forward, it's hard to pick out um any any other votes for players in, in that sense either. I think look if you really wanted to 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 make a case, I think Bernard had another fantastic display at centre back. I think he's he's one that almost a little bit like Emmanuel last season. He, he's having such a terrific display at the moment. It's hard to make a case for dropping him uh, for, for Alfie Jones to come back into the side. But then you're sort of left in the situation now where previously we might have said, oh, well, that's okay. We can put Jones into the midfield. But we've got such a, a such an overabundance of central midfielders now that it's it's hard to make a case for where Jones ends up. Um in another life, in another in another season before our 4-3-3 philosophy took hold. I would have made a case for for shifting the formation to three at the back, and, and and I still would make that case. But you know, I'm not naive enough to think that um, all of a sudden we're going to come out with a dynamic, flexible new formation um, that might actually suit the players. Heaven forbid. So, um, look, I think Bernard was another one that I'd I'd potentially have given a vote to in in that case as well. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, looking at the other players. Uh, I, I just can't really sit, can't make a case for anyone else. I mean, you know, yeah, if if if, if you are going to give the three votes to players, it probably would just be Ingram, Bernard, and then maybe Greaves as as the sort of three defensive players who, who did quite well. But outside well, even, of that, not even, even a long shot. I, I might have even gone uh, gone rogue and given a point to Longman just because he, he nearly yeah, stole he the shot game. on target. Yeah, <laughs> one, one and only shot on target. That's a good <laughs> shout as well. And I think if we had a uh, if that if that shot miraculously had a found its way to the net, I think it would have been absolute an absolute robbery. Uh, probably the the cheekiest three points in city history. Uh, I, I would almost say. Yeah, no, for sure. And even look the draw itself. Uh, it's not quite the heroics of Boas Myhill against Spurs back in two thousand and eight. I think it was no two thousand and nine. I think it was when uh, he pulled out that masterclass of. 15 saves or whatever it was to keep them out. But uh, I think Ingram from the free kick, especially I think was the main one that I'm thinking of, but there was a couple of others as well where he put in um, a terrific display. Um, Yeah. Well, look, we'll move on to that Blackburn game. Now it's a two nil loss really in, in a way, like before the match, I'd sort of made the point that the lack of goals being scored was a concern for me, but a nil nil here would be acceptable if we put in an attacking display and we just got unlucky with our shots. And I think that was largely the case here. I think on in the first half, we were certainly the team on top. Um, and it was really just about a 10, 15 minute patch when they made their substitutions and got on top and scored two quick goals to sort of kill off the game. But before that point, I thought we were looking quite, quite in the contest. Um, Smallwood and Smith came in for Huddleston and Moncur, which in some ways made us a much more defensive outfit, but in a lot of other ways, it sort of unlocked Doherty to, to get forward a bit more. Um, I thought we were a bit more fluid in attack as well. And and you could see the players were much, had, had quite an appetite to get forward and, and create a lot of chances as well. So 
in some ways, ironically, this was a bit more of a positive display, even though we walked away with no points. Yeah. And, and one of the things that it really highlighted to me, um, I, I agree with, with every single sentiment that you just made in that, in that kind of intro, but uh, one of the things about League One was the amount of volume in, in chances that we're actually seeing week in, week out. It really allowed, you know, your Magenises and uh, your Wilkeses and particularly your KLPs to kind of sh show their highlight reels because they were just given so much volume. I think that's one of the things that KLP is really struggling with at the moment is the fact that there just doesn't seem that that flurry of chances to come and he does need to spend a lot more time, you know, sitting back defending and then when he does kind of get unleashed or put away into the in the corner and like unlock, so to speak, it's it's very few and far between that those those kind of chances arrive. And so I think that's what they're kind of when we talk about him learning his trade. Um, and you got to remember, Wilkes is still incredibly young as well. I think that's kind of what uh, stood out for me in this game is, as you mentioned, we were definitely the the better side. I, I believe in the first forty five minutes, but so much of uh, of what is happening with City's attack at the moment is we we need to spend more time being disciplined in, in defence. We need to hold our shape. And so the opportunities just don't seem to come as often. And I think that's a, a very different style of play for, for a lot of these guys, um, what they've yeah. experienced over the last 12 months. Yeah, that's right. And I think McCann, after the match, made a comment around the fact that he hadn't seen so many shots sort of skied over the bar in yeah. previous seasons. And I do think there's a huge element of, as you're saying, not having as many chances and therefore when they come, players are sort of rushing or, or getting overly excited by the opportunities yeah. and and aren't making the right decision all the time. So it, it is it is tough in that sense and the players are adapting, but it's a very young squad, very inexperienced at this level. So um, certainly still a lot to learn for them. Um, you know, 55% of the possession in this game compared to I think 39 or 38% against Swansea, 20 shots for the match, four on target, much more creative, much more... Um, at it than we than we had seen previously. Um, I, I did have to laugh a little bit. Uh, the Blackburn first goal scored by Daniel Ayala, former. You know, you know, we've, we've been doing those sort of flashback episodes recently, um, looking back on that that early 2010s sort of period. And um, of course, Daniel Ayala had a great loan spell with us at that point from Liverpool um, quite a while ago for him now. So you know, he was he was quite entitled to celebrate the goal as much as he did, but. Um, funny to see his name pop up because he's probably a bit of a forgotten forgotten player at this point. Yeah, and perhaps even more sadly for us, it, it came off a set piece as well, which is, yeah. you know, something that has, has kind of been mentioned, uh, you know, as, as an area of concern. So uh, typical to have a, a former City player scoring off a set piece just to kind of rub a little bit more salt into the wound. Yeah, and I saw an interesting comparison uh, or, or comment made about this game as well as the Derby game being the fact that they were midweek games, night games, and the fact that even last season we really struggled in in those midweek fixtures as well. I think it was just the Portsmouth game, I think, was the only one that we we, we really looked uh, uh, or had a standout performance in. Um, I, I'm not sure what the implications of that are, if it's a trend, if it's just a coincidence, anything like that, but um, it is certainly one to keep an eye on in terms of um, following fixtures and to see what happens there. Um, and, and then sort of, as I mentioned, off the top of, of the program, 100 years since the last time we failed to score in six games in a row. Um, is, that a, is that a massive concern? Is it just a stat and stats don't mean a whole lot for you? Or is it, you know, the fact that we haven't scored since the opening day a bit worrying? Oh, it's it's definitely worrying. I think, it, you know, it would be, it would be lying if we sat here and said that, 
we're we're content that we haven't been scoring. I mean, the reason you go to watch football games is so you can you know celebrate your team scoring goals. It's it's not because you you love going to watch you know shut out nil all draws. Um, Unless you know, you're goals, Steve Bruce, I'm sure he enjoys those. <laughs> that's right, and, and 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 goals ultimately is is what it's all about. And yeah. I mean, one of the things that we have talked about at length is like you look at the league one season, you know, we, we talked about how prolific Wilkes, Magenis, KLP were in that season. And the fact that they're not having anywhere near that same level of impact, um, you know, in the championship is, is definitely a cause for concern. I, I do think it comes back to the, uh, you know, the lack of volume that, that we are getting. And hopefully that, you know, as you mentioned, we have so many midfielders at the moment, hopefully McCann does kind of, settle on the, his, his best midfield shape and they start to click. And, and that will come over time, um, particularly as players get their, you know, their full fitness and I guess that they become more familiar with the with the system because there are a lot of new faces in the squad at the moment. But, yeah, it's, it is an area of concern. And, um, and I think that it's something that can be fixed rather quickly. You'd be amazed what, you know, one one game or, uh, you know, particularly similar to the Preston game, if we had a blowout victory, um, where we ended up, you know, putting two or three past the keeper. I, I think you can fix that stuff really quickly, but it's, it's, it is a worry at, at this point in time for sure. Okay, well, I'll, I'll give my three votes uh, for this one first of all. Um, so I'll, I'll go again with three votes for Ingram. I think even though we did concede the two goals, I think especially in the first half, he was looking quite solid in goal for us and, and has put in back-to-back uh, man-of-the-match performances from my point of view. Yeah. Um, for the two votes, I'm going to give those to Tyler Smith. I think coming off the bench, he definitely looked the most lively option for us and, and showed why he should be sort of almost considered our default number one um, option at striker. I think Magenis, whilst looking promising in that first game against Preston, hasn't really you know struck a chord since then. Um, a lot of criticism for him as well for his constant sort of living offside, I guess. Yeah, I think he's got the most offside um calls made against him of any player this season and in fact i think more than a number of clubs which uh is saying quite a bit uh so yeah tyler smith i thought was fantastic a lot of energy um and really offered a threat and you know there'd be nothing better than seeing him slot one past his former side chef united on the weekend so i think um i think he's certainly in line to start that game um uh, up top and then I think I'll give the one vote to Callum Elder. I think he, I think he looked quite damaging on the left. I think he was um, offering quite a bit. You, you know, he came out after the game against um, Swansea to sort of say that you know he, he wanted to to learn the lessons from that and really put them into practice in that Blackburn game. And I think he looked quite promising for us on that left hand side. I think honourable mention to Coyle as well. I think Coyle has certainly been one of our most consistent players this season, um, and he's probably sort of because he's a consistently a seven or eight, he doesn't stand out as much as the players that might occasionally give a nine or a 10. Um, but he's certainly one that I'd give an honorable mention to. Yeah. I, almost the same as you. I went three for Ingram as well. That kind of seemed to be the most logical one. I, I agree. I was very impressed with Tyler Smith and I thought that he, uh, you know, gave us something. I, I think Moncur as well, um, you know, he seemed to have flashes of, of, of somewhat brilliance. There was that kind of double chance that he had where there was the, the shot that kind of, I think it was saved initially and then he got the return cut back inside and then kind of hit it uh, top right and it, it just kind of, you know, was a little bit off target. But he seemed to look look like a fairly promising um, as well. But I, I gave my one point to Louis Coyle as well. I thought he was outstanding in the first half. And, yeah, as you mentioned, he's just a, he, he's, he's just become so reliable for us. And, um, 
you know, two areas in the the fullback ranks at City on on both sides that, and with Emmanuel as a backup as well. We just it is such an area of our strength, and um, you know, it's 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 really nice to to be able to see the likes of Callum Elder and Louis Coyle performing, you know, consistently. Um, so yeah, that's that's how I place it. Certainly. Well, um, we'll move on then. And it is a topic that I know you've sort of said previously. It's it's a tough one to discuss without uh, anything official happening. So we, we won't talk necessarily the chances or the probabilities of a takeover taking place. We did have the news break midweek that um, Akun Elakai had given an interview, I think, in Turkey to basically say that um, he wanted to buy the club, that if everything went his way, he would be successful in buying the club. Um, and that's it is what it is, um, and I guess we just sort of wait and see on that what progress is made. But what I wanted to discuss and what has been sort of a point of discussion on, on a lot of the social media platforms this week following that interview were his comments around uh, wanting to see a, a Turkish manager and backroom staff and then, to quote him directly, was certain Turkish players in the side, um, mm-hmm. which, of course, some people have taken and, and sort of imagined a a Turkish eleven, you know, tearing out the, the the squad from the from the roots and and sort of replacing all the players, which I don't think is well speaking for him, but I don't think that's what he meant, especially when he uses that word certain. Um, yeah. Taking of, of course as well into account the fact that with um, Brexit and everything else, that I think bringing in foreign players is a much tougher proposition now, so they'd have to be players of a, of a certain quality, but. Um, I guess I wanted to get your thoughts on on those comments and in a broader sense, I guess, in terms of a potential new owner coming in, um, potential overhaul of the squad, um, potential investment in the squad. What, what are your sort of uh, takeaways from those comments? Yeah, so look, the place needs a facelift. I think that the, the, the kind of the Tigers faithful have been crying out for many years for, for the Alums to go. And I think this, uh, you know, there's still such a, a segregated, you know, group of fans who have who've decided that until the Alums leave, then they're not coming back. And I, I don't think that that's a, a healthy proposition for any club to be in. I think that even just the initial change of a brand new manager will bring everybody back to, you know, to football that city. And, and I think that that ultimately has to be the number one priority um, for for the city, um, for, for the players as well, to be able to play in, in front of full stadiums again. And for just that, uh, to, to regain some of that kind of spring in the step. Now, the comments about the Turkish um, about the Turkish players coming in, if, you know, hypothetically, assuming this all, all does go through, I think that you kind of, you explained it really well. I, I like the wording where you said, like, how much we actually read into those comments. Is there some kind of, you know, is it a, a language breakdown? Is it is it just the, the way that he kind of interprets it? Does... A few Turkish or certain Turkish players joining the side. Like, does that look like a brand new eleven in his head, or does that look like one or two people coming over? And and I think that you know we've seen partnerships like that when when the Alums came and and brought um, was, b- bought the Egyptians with them. I, I, mean, I was going to make that comparison. You know, when Fatty and Ghetto came in as well. Uh, yeah, get get Ghetto on the phone. I, I think that yeah. you know <laughs> City fans remember that time um, in in such a, a positive way, and I think that. You know, if it's if it's that's the type of partnership he's talking about, well, like bring it on. I think that that's certainly something that would work for for all parties. Um, and it yeah. sounds to me, and I, I think from from reading between the lines with your comments, that's kind of where you have your, your speculation kind of aligns with that more so than a complete overhaul. 
Yeah, that's I, right. I don't, I don't see it as being a, you know, tear up the academy, tear up the first eleven, and and just bring in a whole bunch of Turkish players to sort of, you know, make this this production line of, of Turkish players coming through playing in England, which some people I think have sort of seen it as. I, I definitely, and you look, and and you know, maybe some are also seeing it as a bit like the Wolves model, where they they brought in a lot of Portuguese players. Um, and even then, they do still have, you know, your kind of Cody. Um, at the time when they were promoted, they also had Doherty coming through as well. And they were players that had been there for a long time as well. So I, I don't think you're going to see an overhaul in that sense. And, and and you have to remember as well, if he's buying the club and pumping a lot of money in, he's not going to want to um, put the club's position in the league in jeopardy where he might see it tumbling down the divisions. He, he'd want to be progressing it um, with a calculated sort of uh, decision-making process to get it promoted. So he wouldn't be overhauling the squad that drastically. Yeah, and the, and the second thing that I think we is absolutely has to be considered here is, I mean, look at where we sit in the league at the moment. Like we're obviously towards the tail end of the championship, and you think of, if you reflect on City in the last couple of years, particularly, it's been one of cost-cutting measures, and we've seen huge player turnover. Our budget has changed to to that very much of a shoestring budget. And I don't know if there's as much connection between um, certainly the entire playing group and the fans. I think there's a few players that they absolutely resonate with, but it's a very different time period to when, you know, there was the players that we were watching under Steve Bruce, where, you know, they had the Irish boys, they had, I I know that certainly we've talked at length before about the, the amount of actually born and bred whole players there are in this squad. And I know that that's a very endearing thing to the fans, but across the board, changing a few a few players they're not those you know it's not like Hernandez is on the move or or something like we would have seen in the future or you know Paul McShane where the fans really got their nose out of joint I think if there was you know a case for for KLP to be sold I think people would get their nose out of joint at the moment but for the vast majority a lot of these players have only been at the club a very short time and I think that with that in mind um, you know, we are in a position where we can make some pretty significant changes and it not, in t- you know, upset the apple cart entirely. So, look, I think it's promising. I, again, until this, until the deal gets signed, I'm not going to speculate because I'm just so fed up with getting my yeah. hopes up. Um, but, but first and foremost, I would just love to see the fans back. I want to watch the, you know, games at the KCOM again with, you know, a, a full house and and just the, the vibrance about, whole city again yeah it is a sad point that i think i saw there's about four thousand tickets sold for sheffield united supporters for the weekend and and unfortunately i have a bad bad feeling that there might actually end up being more sheffield united supporters in the stadium than home fans which would be um i i guess sort of just a, a summary or a or a you know the definition of what the issues are at the moment with the allens and the supporters and um the troubles that we're having with the crowds at the moment. So I hope that's not the case. I hope we see a big city crowd there. This is this is essentially our only, well, our, our, probably our main derby game for the season. I know we've got Huddersfield as well as another Yorkshire team, but Sheffield Wednesday leads out of the division at the moment. Um, there aren't a whole lot of other Yorkshire derbies to look forward to. And equally, Alex, let's remember that if you if you do go and buy this club, you don't really need to be that good of an owner to endear yourself to the fans. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the standard's low. So buying the club and coming in as the new owner, so long as you don't do anything too, you know, outrageous, like you're going to be loved and and revered I, by the by the fans yeah. instantly. I reckon all you'd have to do is come into the club, uh, have, you know, a half-price ticket game for his first game at, at the club, 
bring in one or two flashy signs, you know, one, one or two decent signings in, in January to get people a bit excited. And I reckon that that's, that's a pretty easy way to start off with a pretty positive um, reputation. Yeah, could not agree yeah. more. All right, well, let's move on then and we'll do our favourite game um, triple flashback feature. Uh, we'll get you to try and guess the three answers for this question. Now, this one I'm I'm thinking, I'm hoping might be a bit more of an easy question than the last one I gave you, um, but we'll see how you go. Uh, so this week's question is, can you name our last three wins at Wembley Stadium? Yeah, I, I think so. I think the the easiest, I mean, when you play at Wembley, it's obviously a very special occasion. So that's probably what, you know, sets it apart from from some of the other, you know, in-season or previous season questions that we've had. But certainly, um, we'll, I'd have to remember the uh, the uh, the promotion game when Diami scored the, you know, the worldly against Chef Wednesday, the the house, that, uh, that's definitely one of them. And that's in, in more recent times. Um, there will also be the cup semi-final where we where we upset the blades. I will upset the blades where we came back to uh, to win that game yeah. in um, in in very uh, honourable fashion. And then I think if you were to go back more, it'd have to be uh, Bristol. It'd have to be Dino's Dino's worldly goal and uh, you know probably the most famous goal in city history. And I would say that's the top three. Bingo! Yeah, it's. I, I think I could be wrong. I, I believe that will be. Our, it's. It's our only three wins at Wembley. So it was a, a question that was um a bit easy in that sense, I guess. But it, look, it was um the question that I couldn't pass up posing this week, considering our opposition this week with Sheffield United. But uh, look, you know, we've we've broken broken a few hearts in Sheffield at Wembley Stadium, and um look, you know, if you want to even even consider with the Arsenal game, we're actually un, was it we're undefeated at, at Wembley in in regulation time, which is um, a nice little stat to have. Well, and I guess like you know, let's throw another one into the mix. If outside of probably the you know the big five or six clubs in England, would there be a, a team in in England or in English football at the moment that has a, a better record at Wembley? Because yeah, we think it'd be hard to argue. Played, We've played there a lot um, in, you know, in, in recent times for, for a club of our stature and, uh, you know, often coming away with very positive memories. Yeah, I think after that Chef Wednesday game, people were sort of suggesting that Wembley were essentially our second home considering in that stretch of, uh, what, two, three years, we had we had the FA Cup final, the FA Cup semi-final and that playoff final with, yeah, you know, in regulation time at least, no no defeats um, and, and a pretty strong performance against Arsenal as well. So, um, yeah, uh, pretty good memories from that ground um, in general. And but and, and let's not forget, under uh, Mark Phelan, we almost qualified yeah. for the, what would have been the final of the the Carling Cup. Then um, it could have been another Wembley appearance. So you just you, you know don't count City out when they go to their their second ground, I guess. Yeah, and and I guess the remarkable thing about that Sheffield United game and and Sheffield Wednesday game as well as well. Huddleston, um, you know, sort of one of the big players in those games is back at the club, which is nice to have a much more tangible connection to those games. Now, it doesn't feel quite so long ago when you've still got one of those heroes running around in the 11. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we're well, talking about Sheffield United. We'll look ahead now to that Sheffield United fixture uh, this weekend. We are the early game. Um, it's really unfortunate at the moment with Sydney's lockdowns. We had penciled this game in for a cheers visit. Uh, 9.30 p.m. kickoff would have been fantastic. But we will be watching along from home. Um, KO Sports or BN Sports for those Aussies watching along or listening along is where you'll find this game. It won't be on iFollow. Um, 
So we are coming up against Lavisa Jokanovic's team, uh, formerly manager of Watford and Fulham with promotions with those sides. It's been a tough start to the season for Chef United. They um, sort of, similar to our troubles, had quite a long barren spell of not even managing to score a goal to start the season, but uh, really sort of cured that itch quite significantly with that 6-2 win over Peterborough. So sort of as you were suggesting with us, it could be that the goals all come in a rush um, and then followed that up with a 2-2 draw with Preston. But Look, they're a really damaging, strong side. I mean, everyone knows their struggles in the Premier League last season, but at championship level, their squad's as good as any, really, once they get going. Um, so a really tough opponent this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And like, as you mentioned, with the with their guy, uh, their form guide, they really have, since that victory, turned things around. And that's, it's not a, not a very nice time to be playing them. And as you mentioned, dropping down from the Premier League, um, their squad on paper is, you know, is as you said, as good as any. And I think that, we're, we're, given the fact where we're sitting at the moment in the last couple of games, um, you know, confidence is pretty low. Um, I I love that nine thirty time slot. I mean, this is this is gold feeling for for us Aussies over here. So I'm I'm still remaining optimistic, and um, I'm I'm going to be really excited to watch this game. But um, a very tough, very tough challenge ahead this week. Certainly. Um, I guess looking at that side that started against Blackburn, um, well, obviously with the knowledge that Honeyman's now fit as well, um, who, who would, would you sort of, would you bring in, like, I mean, I guess from my point of view, I'm looking at it and thinking probably Tyler Smith in for Magenis up top and then potentially Honeyman and Monker in for Smallwood and Matt Smith, or, or would you probably keep Matt Smith in the side over Monker? Well, the the argument as well is I'm not, I'm not certain that I'd be starting Wilkes as well, given the yeah. the way he's he's performed. I just I I think he looks a little bit off the pace at the moment, and I mean I think everybody is excited to see what Honeyman can do. I think that you know with George Honeyman is probably the most spoken about uh, you know city player because we've had a love hate relationship with him over the years, or or I certainly have, and um you know I was so buoyed by what I saw from him in League One last season. Um, and I think that him coming back um, with just the amount of running that he has in his legs and just the the kind of the heartbeat that he brings to to the team, I, I'm really excited to see what he's able to do. So I would be rushing Honeyman back into the starting 11 um, and and that would be the, the very first um, first change. And then, yeah, I would I would probably be looking to to bench Wilkes and um and maybe start Moncur. I think Magenis is is definitely starting to um kind of run out of time um in the sense that as you mentioned he has that the offside problem and you know Tyler Smith's looking you know exceptional at the moment and I mean we still haven't seen enough from Longman. There's uh, there's options now. Um, I'm yeah. I, there's a lot of ways that McCann could choose to play this game, and um, I wouldn't be too surprised to to see a, a fresher looking City squad with with some significant changes. The concept to me of starting Tyler Smith up top reminds me a little bit of back when we used to play Sunderland under Steve Bruce, and he would basically try and find a way to fit all of the ex Sunderland players into the side. I suppose using the logic that those players would perhaps have a point to prove against their former club. And and certainly in this case, I could see Tyler Smith having a point to prove after Sheffield United let him leave to join us. So um, he's certainly one I'd be looking to start up top. And, and you mentioned there Moncur starting instead of Wilkes, which which is something that I'd actually sort of toyed around with a little bit because I know when Moncur first joined us, it was sort of suggested that whilst he could play in that sort of central midfield role, he could also have a flexible role across that front three. So I wouldn't mind seeing Monker come in for Wilkes up top, 
uh, to kind of sort of unlock his creativity a little bit more and, and sort of release him from any sort of defensive duties. Um, and then, yeah, I guess you'd have Matt Smith, um, Matt Smith, Doherty and, and Honeyman in that midfield three, which I think is quite potent as well. Yeah. And, and depending on how that game goes as well, like uh, how McCann chooses to set up, like starting KLP may not be the best option either. Um, if you wanted yep. to, if you kind of set up to go more defensively and then, you know, hopefully come at them late, like, Ken Lewis Potter is not not someone that you would kind of want to put in that in that starting uh, you know position, knowing that that there's going to be a huge defensive role for him. Why not you know keep his legs fresh and then get him to kind of come on with with half an hour to go or something like that? I just uh, tactically, I think McCann needs to try something different here because there's there hasn't been. I mean, as you mentioned, the the record of of not scoring has has gone on for for far too long, and I think that. If you're going to try and unlock a team like Chef United, who have you know absolute class and in in certain areas, you need to throw something at them that's a little bit different to what we've been seeing the last couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. And and I mean, I guess looking at the fixtures ahead after that Chef United game, we do travel to Stoke next weekend. But then after that, it's a it's a really nice run of six games against Blackpool, Middlesbrough, Huddersfield, Peterborough, Luton, and Coventry. So whilst we sort of talked earlier about the tr- the struggles that we've had and the tough fixtures that we've got here with Chef United and then Stoke to come the following week, it really opens up after that. So as much as we're sort of struggling to score and struggling to get results at the moment, I do think it's important that the squad and the supporters keep a level head at least for the next six weeks, five weeks, um, and see how we, we land after that. But I guess for this game in particular, how are you? How are you feeling going into it? Where do you see the score finishing up? Yeah, look, uh, my my head says that I think Chef are probably going to be too good for us. I I, I really do fear this fixture, but um, given the fact that Honeyman's back into the side, it's it's giving me a little bit more hope. And I think that you know, with any with any team at this level, there's only so long you can kind of go without um, you know without a performance. And I think that we're kind of due. So. Uh, look, score predictions is a really tough one here. I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe a, a one-all draw. Um, that uh, I would kind of accept that, but uh, it's it's probably more likely to maybe see a two-nil Chef United. Yeah. Victory, sadly, um, it's, yeah. it's much look, to say it. I, I was thinking one-one as well. I think it's the game that will finally break through and get a result or get a goal. I should say. Um, but can't see us keeping them out as well. So maybe a 1-1 draw would be sort of what we can hope for. Um, But look, as you say, uh, you know, TV cameras, um, early game, early kickoff, lots to prove. Um, We're sort of due a good performance, as you said. We started to look a little bit better against Blackburn. Honeyman back in the side. Um, I think there's a lot of signs to point to for um, a bit of an optimistic view of this game. Um, You know, Chef United, yeah, they got the 6-2 against Peterborough, but they did then draw against Preston, who who of course we beat. Um, so so there are sort of arguments to be made that there's the potential for it for a decent result in this one. So look, yeah, I'll, I'll probably optimistically go for a 1-1 draw in this one. But um, that being said, thank you for joining me, Logan. My pleasure, Alex. It was therapeutic to talk about the um, the, the last two weeks and uh, try and unpack some of the, the you know the, the challenges that we're currently facing. Yeah, no worries. It's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, look, you know, I wouldn't have thought we had as much to talk about as we did from a nil nil and two nil performance, but we uh, we had plenty to talk about. I think so. It was a, it was a good episode. So, 
Yeah, look, thank you for joining me. And um, we've got plenty to look forward to tomorrow night against Chef United at the nice and early time slot of 9.30. So hopefully a big city audience over here in Australia for that one as well. So, um, look, thank you, everyone, for, for listening for this episode of The Tigers Down Under, and we will catch you next time. But until then, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. This is on fire. We're going higher and higher. There's no turning back because you're out.